thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. A lot of it, and um, I know God's doing a lot through this series, and I just sensed this morning, just in my spirit, just, that's a tug of war going, boy. There's a, there's, a, there's a fight right now. I mean, you can sense it. I mean, there's people being called out and up and separated from this world, and uh, it, they're making the Spirit of the Lord is making them a little uncomfortable because they know that God's put on them to be in the world, but they no longer want to be of the world. And, and it makes them sick when they act like the world and then when, when they come like the world. And so I know the Lord's doing a bunch in this. We want to continue through it. I want to, I want to revisit our text for the whole series, Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 is not the text for the day, but I just want you to listen. This is the text over this whole series. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Just let that radiate, okay? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, and only then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let your mind be transformed do no longer like the pattern of this world. No longer like the pattern of this world. And as we jump into this, we've been building character by character in the Bible. Moses, Jabez, Esther, now today David. We're looking at guys and ladies in the Word who, who had certain qualities in their life that they were in it, but, oh, they were not of it. They were not of it. They, they were not in it and of it. They were in it and not of it. And there's certain things that we're picking up that's true in every one of them. So I want to look at David, and I want to look just at some verses. I don't want to take all of the story of David here, but I want you to go to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Now, we're going to look at David and Goliath, but we're not going to look a lot at Goliath because he doesn't deserve being looked at. Okay? So, but we're going to... I'm sorry. He's nine foot nine. He could hurt me. But... But we're not going to look a lot at that, okay? Now, David and Goliath, we know it real well. We know that story from if you grew up in church in Sunday school, man, as a kid, that's your favorite one, okay? Coaches, if the coaches know no other story in the Bible, they know David and Goliath, amen? I mean, they, they have used that one a ton, okay? And which is a great story, and it fits athletic, I'm telling you, it does, okay? But it's a great story. I want to look at some things that stick out about David that must be true in us if we're going to be in this world and not of this world, okay? I want you to first go to 1 Samuel 17. Now, set it up. Remember that Goliath is taunting the children of Israel, okay? And David's brothers um, have gone in the battle, okay? Now, David, remember, he was the little dude. They left him behind. He's supposed to take care of sheep and bring them lunch and stuff like that. He's not a part of the game plan at all, okay? Uh, Saul didn't think much of him. He didn't need him. They left him behind, okay? So they're in battle, and, and David is, is going to bring them food. Just being obedient is going to bring them food. And as he's, a, as he's arriving to the, the area where the battle's going on, he, he can hear Goliath taunting the, the children of Israel. He can hear this going on. But when he gets there, there is absolutely nobody doing anything about it. 
Nobody. Nobody. Not all his big stud brothers who were chosen, okay? Not, not, not Saul, okay? The one that should be doing it, okay? None of, nobody's doing it, okay? Nobody's doing it. And so David appears in verse 32. We see a conversation that David has with Saul. He says, let no one, great word, no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. No one lose heart because of this Philistine. I, your servant, will go and fight him. Okay? Now, I want you to see something. There's times in our lives, if we're going to be in this world and not of this world, you can't sit quiet any longer. You can't. I'm sorry. I know that you used to be able just to hide in this secret agent Christian world and, 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 and just show up at church, and that's your testimony. But you can't do that anymore. This world demands you to stand up and speak up. This quiet stuff, this timid stuff, this polite stuff, this good little church boy stuff, I mean, I'm sorry. I love manners and respect, but I'm going to tell you right now, this world will kick your tail out there if you don't stand up and speak up. I was visiting with a mom Wednesday night. She was in tears over how proud she was of her teenage son who was in high school who stood up and spoke up. I mean, she was moved by that. Jeff, he stood up and did it. He stood up among his peers and did that. He stood up and and did testimony of what God did. There's going to be times in your life, if you're going to be in this world but not of this world, you have got to stand up and speak up. I mean, the, the church has been quiet enough. I mean, one of the things that I've been really convicted about is I used to think, well, you can't do politics in church. You can't bring politics in the church. Well, I'm sorry, but all those years of silence of not bringing politics in the church has got us in a mess. I mean, when this country was founded, I mean, they, they, would, they, would, they would create a school and they would create a church. And many of the leaders in the community were, were born, were, were blood-bought, saved, born-again, child of the king. Most of them were pastors in the community that would get on city councils, that would get on school boards, that would get in government places, and they would, they would govern this great country. Now those people have vacated out, and everybody else has come in. And what we do is we stand back and go, well, let's pray for them. Now, I'm not dogging prayer, but there's a day and time where you got to put some feet on some prayer and get busy. Because if we don't start fighting for it, it's going to mean nothing to fight for. Nothing to fight for. And sometimes you've got to stand up and you've got to speak up if you're not going to look like the world today. Let me ask you. Maybe you're a high school student. Maybe you're, a, 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 you're working somewhere out in this community. Has there been moments in your life where you should have stood up and spoke up and you didn't? And then later you wish, man, I should have said something. I know that what that was in me was, was the Spirit saying, you've got to speak. And I thought it was bad pizza, and I didn't move. It's not bad pizza, man. It's God. And if God pricks your heart and moves you to speak, you speak. You say, well, I, I knew I wanted to say something, but I didn't know what to say, so I didn't stand up. It doesn't work like that, dude. If the Spirit of God moves you to say something, if you will take a step of obedience and open your mouth, he will speak through you. You see, if you sit there and try to write it all out, 
that splash moment's gone. You've got to take the moment for what it is, and you've got to be ready to go. In and out of season, amen, is what it says. In and out of season, you've got to be ready to speak. And I, I see, but I, I'm, tomorrow, I, I'm going to write it out tonight, and tomorrow I'm going to say something. The moment's gone. You can't recreate that. There's a moment, and then it's gone. It's gone. Look at verse 33. Interesting here. Here's David, speaks up, and isn't there always someone? Watch this. Saul replied, you're not able to go out there against that Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man since his youth. Isn't there always somebody when you say, man, God just wants me to do this? Somebody, God gives you yes, and somebody goes, nah, that wasn't God. That wasn't God. That wasn't God. I remember when I mentioned <laughs> that, that I sensed God's call in my life in ministry. <laughs> and my dad said, why would you want to do something like that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe God? I, don't, I, mean, I mean, bless his heart, I love him to death. And understand when he spoke that, he wasn't saved. Okay, I'm not throwing my dad under the bus here, loving him to death. He's my biggest fan today, okay? He, write, he gives me cards all the time, and especially on my birthday, makes me want to cry. But he's proud of me. But at that moment, he didn't know what to say. He, he, he was lost. He just took, spoke out of his flesh. But isn't there always somebody when you say, man, I think God wants me to go over there and pray with them. Why would you do something like that? What? Is there always somebody that wants to pour water on God's fire, the spirit of God's fire? Yes, there always is. Saul did that to David. But listen to me. The question is, who are you going to listen to? You see, that 32 and 33 are right beside each other. The question is, does David listen to 32 or does David listen to 33? Thank God he listened to 33. I mean 32. I'm sorry. Thank God he did. Okay. Who are you going to listen to? The question is, who are you going to obey? You're going to obey the world and those who speak nothing on you, they speak down on God, or are you going to obey the Lord? Are you going to obey his word? Because on the other side of obedience is always blessing. Obedience produces obedience, okay? And obedience produces blessing. It's just the thing. If you like to be blessed, then be obedient. If you're obedient, you'll be blessed. And when those moments come, those splash moments come to speak up, speak. You say, well, I don't even know what I'm going to say. What if I mess it up? If God leads you to open your mouth, you will not mess up. I'm telling you. Woo! Some of the best things I've said is when I didn't know what to say. And some of the worst things I've ever said is when I wrote it out. Because that's all Jeff. And when you speak from here, it's all spirit. Follow the spirit, not yourself. Because you may not have confidence in yourself. But you can always have confidence in him. Second thing I want you to see, verse 37. Look at verse 37. You've got to remember what he did. God's got a great track record, okay? The Lord, this is David speaking, okay? The Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. 
what the Lord has done for you. Can I tell you the number one tool, the number one weapon that the enemy uses in our lives is short-term memory loss. Short-term memory loss, man. We all suffer from Alzheimer's. I'm telling you, 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 you forget what God did. I mean, you forget what God did last week because we live now and David remembers what God did for him. David said, man, I've been watching sheep. Bears come, I whip the tail. Lions come, I whip the tail. I save all the sheep. My God has delivered me and given me the strength to fight all of them. And you want me to worry about some overgrown hairy ape out there taunting me. No, God can deliver me from him because that's my God. Listen to me. Too many of us have short-term memory loss. We forget what God did for us. And second, we don't ever talk about it. We don't ever talk about it. In Joshua 3 and 4, they're crossing the Jordan River. What happens is the river's up. It's harvest time. It's way up. Joshua says, walk the Ark of the Covenant out. And when the Ark of the Covenant walked, as they carried the Ark of the Covenant out, the water stopped and the land got dry. And so the people carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood on dry land. And all of God's people crossed. And God said, I want you to get 12 guys. I want you to pick up 12 stones right here in this river. Big stones. I want you to put them on your shoulder. And each of these 12, these 12 stones represents the 12 tribes. Okay? And when you get to the other side, I want you to build a memorial, an altar. And from this day on, I want you to always remember what the Lord has done for you. So all of your children will come back to this place, and you'll be able to tell them what God has done for you. That's what he's talking about. You tell that story. Man, I'm good about telling the story about hunting and fishing and sports. But what are you telling about God's stories? Brett and Allie loved the story. Hey, when mom and dad heard God and we left Longview and all of our family and we went out to the panhandle, we didn't know anybody, dad. You remember when we did that? And everybody thought we were coming home next year and we hadn't been home in almost 13 years? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a fun story. Remember how that time when mom got cancer and God healed her and set her free from cancer? I want you to tell me that story. I want you to tell me that story when all the stuff in your marriage was going bad and God rescued you and saved you. You remember those stories as a married couple when you're going through hard times or when it's been hard for your family and you get together and you say, no, we're not not quitting on this. We're going to pray. We're going to see ourselves through it. And then God rescues you and sets you free. And you got a marriage today. How are you singing that song? Are you telling that story? Because listen to me. They love to hear the story about sports, but they love to hear God's story better. you got to tell God's story, man, what God done in your life. Does your children know your story? If your son's 8 or 9, 10 years old, does he know what it was like when you met the Lord? Who was a pivotal role in your life? What God's doing in your life right now? Are you telling those God stories? Because I'm going to tell you right now, those are the stories that our generation after generation want to hear. That's why grandkids climb up in granddad's lap. They love fish stories, but they love to hear the story about when you gave your life to Christ and what God's done in your life. The greatest story on my granddad is not all those fishing stories. Oh, they're fun. But the greatest story is when the, 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 the same people that he didn't like for years in construction, Hispanic people. He didn't like them, right? And a Hispanic missionary that lived across the street from my grandfather came over every single day and met with my granddad. Mowed his yard, 
sat in the garage with him as he suffered and died. and drew, he, just, he, just, he just decayed with cancer, man. And one night in that garage, he knelt down with a Hispanic man. And that Hispanic man prayed, and my grandfather received Christ and was saved. And then his grandson stood by that Hispanic man at his funeral and did his service. That's the story that they want to hear. Short-term memory loss that caused generations to suffer behind us. If you're today quiet, you're killing the next generation. you got to tell the story of what God's done, man. you got to tell the story. Don't let the enemy give you short-term memory loss because generations will suffer behind us. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think there's gaps, and that's why we're where we are today. We're not telling God's story anymore. We're telling stock market stories. We're telling business stories. We're telling all this other stuff. But we're telling those God stories, man. That's what they want to hear. That's what gives them faith. I got a row. I got a row. I want you to look at verses 38 and 39. 38 and 39. So then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over his tunic and and, and, and tried to walk around because he was not, he could not walk around because he was not used to them. And then he said, I cannot go in this, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. He took them off. I want you to see something. They dress him up in all this gear, and he's not comfortable in this gear. It doesn't fit him. It's not who he is, Okay. And they said, yeah, that's what you got to go out in battle. That's what you got to go out there and fight the Philistine with. And David says, I can't go out like this. I can't go out like this. Listen to me. We are in a battle. I, 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 I know you don't know that. Some of you know that. Some of you don't know that. But I'm telling you, you're in a battle, okay? You're in a battle. And you can do what God's called you to do in the battlefield that he's put you in. Not because it's great in you, because he's great, not because you're great in there, because he's great in you. It's not because what he's done, okay? It's not because what you've done, it's because what he's done. It's greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do this because he's in you. That's why you can do this. Because David knew that who I am and what God's done in my life and what God's rescued me from the paw of the lion and the bear and all that stuff, I didn't have all that stuff on when I did that. All I did, all I did was have the Lord as my strength. That's who I was. And he shook off all this other stuff and he said, no, 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 no. I, (laughs) I don't want all that. I don't need all that. Listen to me. Confidence, confidence in the Lord is an incredible weapon. Confidence in the Lord is a scary thing, my friend. I'm telling you, confidence in the Lord is a dangerous weapon in the hands of his kids. Listen to me. Are you confident in the Lord? Are you? I mean, when you get ready to pray, you confidently approach the throne. I mean, are you confident of who you're talking to? Are you confident of your name? Are you confident in the fact that he can? Because if you walk in there not confident, if you walk in there not bold, guess what? You don't call on that confident God. You don't call on that bold God. Listen to me. Confidence in the Lord is an incredible thing. David had confidence in the Lord. Now, David was not much to look at. 
But remember in verse 3, he said, I don't look at the outward appearance of a man, but God looks at his heart. God looks at his heart, man. Some of us out here are great warriors. We just don't know it. You've got to get your confidence, not in yourself, but your confidence in the Lord needs an uptick. We've got to keep rolling. Look at verse 40 and 48, two verses here. Look at verse 40. They try to put all this stuff on him. He don't like it. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in a pouch on his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in his hand, what does he do? He approached the Philistine. What did he do? He approached the Philistine. You need to underline that. That's very important. If you skip through that, it's not going to mean anything to you. He approached the Philistine. Look down at verse 38, I mean, 48. Look at 48. Then the Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. Uh-oh. Confidence is a nasty weapon, amen? When the enemy comes against your house and your marriage and your, and your life, what do you do? Tuck, tail, and run? Or do you stand with confidence and approach him? Every one of us got a Goliath in our life, man. Every one of us. If you don't know your Goliath, tomorrow morning you'll probably meet your Goliath. It'll have a different name, okay? It may be your boss. It may be your working condition. It may be your schedule that you're trying to keep. It may be, every, I don't know what it is. It may be home itself. It may be a Goliath right now the size that's, that's attacking your home, attacking your kids, attacking your wife. But how do you approach your Goliath? You dig a foxhole, make sandbags, and hide are you fighting? I'm telling you, we as the little church and we as the big church have been in foxholes way too long. And the world don't even know what it looks like for a born-again child of the God to step up and attack his Goliath. Sometimes you got to speak up, and sometimes you got to stand up. There's a coach that lost his job for that same purpose. Bless his heart. He was praying with his football team. Let me tell you, coaches should lose their job if they're not praying with their football team. There should be more coaches suspended for not praying than for praying. I mean, how bold are we in our Goliath? Are we going to succumb to the world because we're scared we'll lose our job? How big is your God? I'm not telling you to go out there and be crazy. But I'm going to tell you right now, your job shouldn't change who you are. It should not. If you are a born-again child of God, then be a born-again child of God at your workplace. Be bold. Be confident. Quit getting in your foxhole scared and stand up to the Philistine Goliath and get out and run to him. Get on that battle line. Too many believers are way back here. We got to get some confidence in who our God is. And we got to quit taking it, and we got to deliver it. Oh, I know defense wins championships, but you eventually got to score. Amen? I mean, nobody won no championship with a zero on the scoreboard. We're the champs! What y'all score? None. Then you're not the champ. You didn't score. You got to score, man. And I mean, you can't. I, you got offense has got to be your deal. You said, well, the, the, the armor of God, there's armor. There's seven of them. Five are defense, correct, but two are offense. And the two offense ones are the most powerful weapons in the tool game. That's all. 
I mean, you got seven tools, and the seven on offense are most powerful. You got prayer, and you got a sword, dude. You got the word. Are you using prayer and the sword? Are you laying in the foxhole, shaking and scared? If your daddy's the king, get up. Quit laying there. And nobody beat anybody laying in a hole. I'm going to tell you right now, man, I've met some Marines, and them cats don't live in hoes. They don't live in hoes. You say, well, you might get shot out there. Yeah, and you might win. But you're not going to win nothing in there. you got to get on the offensive. To be in this world and not of this world, you're going to have to be on the offensive. You're going to have to approach your Goliath. You're going to have to run to the battle line, my friend. And last thing is this. I want you to look at verse 45. David said to the Philistine, this is good stuff. You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. <laughs> That's confidence right there, dude. Enemy, you're attacking my marriage. You can come against me and all this other stuff, these tools, these this, this tools of the world. You can come against me with that. That's fine, but I'm going to come against you in the name of the Lord. I'm going to come against you in the name of the Lord. Are you a king's kid? Who are you? Is your daddy a king? Are you a child of God? The question this morning is, whose name are you going in? Going in your name? Or are you going in his name? Because if you're going in your name, you can kick you, your teeth in. You say, well, my daddy's a deacon and my mom teaches Sunday school. I don't care. They don't bother him. I had seven quiet times. Now, good, I'll more reason to take you out. That's, that, that's what he does. He is not intimidated by our, by our resume, okay? I mean, his res, your resume does not scare the enemy. You fight with prayer and the word, and that sucker tuck his tail and run. He even messed with Jesus, and Jesus fought back with what? The word. Come on. If you don't have it in you, you can't use it. So you got to put it in you because he's coming. I promise you he's coming, okay? And you got to stand up there with confidence and go in the name of the Lord. All right, come on, enemy. This is what you're going to do. You're trying to attack my church. You're attacking my family. You're attacking my marriage. You're attacking my kids. We're going to fight. We're going to fight in the name of the Lord. Not in our name, not to save our reputation, not to protect the ponder name. Forget the ponder name. Protect the king's name. Because the king's name trumps the ponder name all day long, all day long. Matthew 23, 12 says this, he who humbles himself will be exalted, but he who exalts himself will be humbled, will be humbled. My friend, today, if we're going to be in this world and not of this world, there's some characteristics of David we have got to put in our lives. And as I look around, I'm not sure these are in there. We as believers have got to get where we step up and stand up. We've got to understand that God has done a lot for us. He's got a great track record. We've got to sing that song and tell that story. You can do it just like David did because it's in you, my friend. And you've got to understand that confidence is a very dangerous weapon. And you've got to approach it. You've got to fight. You've got to get out of your foxhole. And when you get out of that foxhole and you stand up there ready to battle, you can't battle in your own name. You've got to battle in the name of the Lord. You've got to battle in his name. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word picture of David and Goliath. And God, as we, the church, the little church, 
want to be salt and light in this world. Want to be in it but not of it. There are some characteristics that must manifest themselves in our lives. And so, Father, I pray now that your word has spoken. You have spoken. And, God, we'd be quick to say yes to what you said to us. And, God, during this invitation time, Father, I pray you'd move us. May this invitation time, God, may we need to come to the altar of someone to pray or whatever. God, I just pray that whatever you have said in us, we'll say yes to you, God. Yes to you. For this is my prayer in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stay in church.